checking into the meditation in whatever way you found to be most helpful. Maybe just taking in that overall felt sense of the body sitting here in a certain position, the weight of the body, the arrangement of the legs and the arms, the position of the spine, the neck and the head. Just connecting with this felt sense of presence here in the body. Or maybe tuning into the breath as a place to ground the attention, to anchor the awareness, to help us to arrive in the present moment. Feeling the flow of it as it moves into the body and back out again. Maybe expanding the belly and then relaxing. Or maybe the expansion and contraction around the rib cage. Maybe the sensations of the breath as the air brushes against the nostrils, the upper lip moves through the sinuses. Just letting the breath be natural and relaxed as much as possible. Not forcing or controlling the breath to the extent possible, but just letting it come easily. Maybe tuning into hearing and receiving just all of the quiet sounds from the room around us. The quiet hums and buzzes from the sound system or the climate control system. Little noises from within our own bodies or those of our fellow yogis around us. Seeing if we can cultivate an attitude of kindness and compassion when we might notice sounds coming from those around us. Recognizing that all of us here are doing our best, making our best effort to do this very challenging work of this practice. And that we don't know what might be going on for others in the hall. There might be great sleepiness, great pain. So to the extent that we become aware of others around us, can we hold them as much as possible with an attitude of kindness and goodwill? May we all be comfortable and at ease in these bodies. May we all find some peace and comfort within these minds.
There may be moments today when we're able to see for ourselves these difficult, hindering states of mind that Annie spoke about last night. So as we attend to the body and maybe notice unpleasant sensations, perhaps we can get a sense of how the mind is responding to those. Is there a reaction of aversion? Just that very simple feeling of not being okay with the experience. I don't like this. I want it to go away. Taking in even maybe just for a moment or two the the texture and the flavor of the mind that doesn't like, that doesn't want. Maybe beginning to notice any thoughts that may come out of that feeling. The sensations in the body, the feeling of not liking in the mind. We might begin to see how those give rise to certain trains of thought. Reacting, explaining, considering, analyzing, complaining. Or, on the other hand, if some particularly pleasant experience arises, an experience of maybe comfort in the body, calm, contentment, joy in the mind, noticing how the mind reacts to that experience, maybe with some more or less subtle attachment, grasping, that sense of, I like this, I want it to stay. And again, seeing if even just for a few moments we can get a sense of the texture and the feel of the mind in that state, that state of liking, that state of wanting. And then again, too, maybe noticing if there are particular types of thoughts that arise out of that experience. Considering, explaining, analyzing, figuring out Just more and more as we go through this second full day here, beginning to tune into the life of the mind, the thoughts that are arising around our experience, and the reactions that are arising around our experience, whether they're difficult, hindering states, or maybe wholesome, helpful states. So not only noticing those difficult moments when perhaps we're caught in craving or aversion or confusion, but also those moments that will arise when there's calm, when there's concentration, when there's equanimity, when there's compassion, when there's kindness. Bringing this kind of even-handed attention to both the good and the bad, the pleasant and the unpleasant, as we move through the day and experience our share of each of these, as we all will.
Are there any questions this morning about the practice? Did everybody hear the comment? Um, basically, she's wondering what she's doing this for. <laughs> what is she sitting for? What is she walking for? She said that in her practice at home, she kind of, after the meditation, she kind of has things that she's looking forward to, right? things that are coming later in the day or just whatever. Whereas here, it's just more of the same all day long. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a really interesting process. You know, this, this, this experiment that we're undertaking here, this exploration. And Annie's going to speak a little bit more tomorrow night about kind of where it's leading and how it unfolds. Um, but we begin just by being here in this present moment, you know, which is kind of the hard part. But if we think about it, it it's just in this moment. It's in the actual truth of what's happening. That it's, that's the only place that we can find the deeper truth of what's happening. You know, so we're not going to find... Uh, deeper understanding, deeper truth. Uh, we're not going to find awakening or enlightenment, whatever that might mean, or insight. You know, this thing that we talk about in insight meditation. We're not going to be able to find that anywhere else than in what's actually true. So we're not going to be able to find it in our imaginings about how things might be, and our, uh, you know, philosophizing about how might things might be, or analyzing or intellectualizing, thinking about things. We can't think our way to real understanding. We can't think our way to insight. We can't think our way to enlightenment, whatever that might be. The only place we can find it is just right here in this moment. But, you know, we never know what moment it's going to pop up in. (laughs) So there's this very famous saying that, you know, a lot of you may have heard that uh, enlightenment is an accident, but meditation makes us accident prone. So that's kind of what we're doing here. We're trying to create the climate, create the conditions out of which deeper understanding can arise. And it requires, you know, for that reason, a lot of patience. It requires a lot of faith. It requires a lot of courage to be willing to just kind of keep slogging through it, showing up moment by moment, until, you know, those moments come when things do open up for us and we do see something new. We do see something that is transformative, that really affects our life in a deep way. So it's, that's why we talk about this practice, not in terms of just coming, you know, for one four-day retreat, but it's really, you know, it's an ongoing path that, uh, you know, we follow throughout our lives in whatever way we choose, uh, wherever our path might lead us. Does that speak a little bit to what you're thinking about? Yeah. Yes. I have sort of a technical question. Hmm. Um, I notice in the 45-minute sittings, I do pretty well for most of the time, but then towards that latter part of the sitting, I get very restless and very agitated, and my mind just wants to have something to chew on. And so I was wondering, I think you were talking, or maybe Annie was talking about the hindrances 
and like with aversion, sort of like the antidote is meta. Um, I mean, can you speak, is there is there something that we can sort of do with that restlessness and agitation just from a technical standpoint, just looking at it? So the question's about working with restlessness and are there things that we can do to, to kind of help to be with that experience. Um, for some people with restlessness, um, focusing in a little more closely, so finding one small aspect of experience, you know, so maybe really resting in the breath for a while, using that to kind of steady the mind, stabilize the attention, uh, or doing a little bit of the metta practice. Uh, one of the techniques that's kind of a, a concentrating, calming practice sometimes can help a little bit. Um, at other times, or for some people, um, the opposite is more helpful. So giving all of that energy a much bigger space, you know, maybe opening the eyes, again, similar as, uh, as with sleepiness, opening the container of what we're paying attention to. So maybe taking in, you know, rather than just a sense of the body or the breath, a sense of the whole room, you know, with kind of all the sounds, all the air within it, all of the space. So giving a big container to that energy so that it doesn't feel so constrained and so tight. Um, and similar with the walking. Uh, the walking meditation is really helpful for both sleepiness and restlessness. This is one of the reasons we really recommend the walking meditations, that it just helps to really even out the energy in general. So um, if we're doing the walking meditation and there's a lot of restlessness, we could try either slowing it down, seeing if that helps to kind of calm things down, or speeding it up, giving that energy a chance to express itself a little bit more. And again, there's always, you know, as we keep talking about, um, there's not necessarily a need to fix those experiences either. You know, it's always an option to just feel the restlessness, you know. Nobody yet has ever died here of restlessness, you know, even though it might feel like that might happen at times. So can we um, bring a little more energy? Can we bring a little bit more determination? Okay, let me just sit here, and if it kills me, let me just feel this restlessness, you know, just how awful it is in the body, how awful it is in the mind. And even if that's just for a few moments or just a few minutes, that can be a really uh, enlightening experience to really come to understand more deeply what is that experience of restlessness like. Because if it's an issue for us here, chances are, you know, it's an issue for us out there as well. So the more we can learn about it, uh, the better. And it's not, so it's not the idea with any of these things that we call antidotes is not to be uh, trying to change the, the situation, not to, be not to be trying to get rid of whatever has arisen that's difficult, but just finding a way that we can hold it in a way where we can be more aware of it. So even as we maybe do some faster walking, open the eyes, you know, open the container, uh, not, to, not that we're trying to escape from the restlessness, but that we're just trying to bring in whatever skillful means will help us to be able to notice more about it. Yes. Um, not that we're trying to escape from aversion, but could you talk about some of the skillful means for dealing with it? So skillful means for dealing with aversion. Um, you know, this is one where just really taking it in, you know, is, is most helpful. <laughs> and again, nobody ever died from aversion here, even though it can be so unpleasant at times. But getting curious about it is really helpful. So aversion, you know, is kind of a it's kind of a big blanket label for what that experience actually is. So, you know, what each one of us calls aversion at any particular time, what is it actually made up of? And this can be a very interesting exploration. You know, so if, if it's something in the body, um, how clear, how precise can we get 
about what it is that's going on on in the body. You know, if it's some pain, can we, you know, pick up on the different strands of burning or tightness or aching or throbbing or whatever it is? Can we see how those change over time? That, oh, there's this really awful burning sensation, but actually there's moments when it disappears, you know, and then it comes back and then it's something else, more of a pressure, you know, and that changes, you know. So if we can arouse a little bit of real interest in what's going on, then that can help us, as Annie was saying last night, to get past the sense of just, oh, I'm stuck in this big knot of aversion, and get down to a deeper level, a more subtle level of, oh, there's actually a lot going on within this this experience that could be really interesting, really um, helpful to understand. And the same thing in the mind, you know, aversion in the mind can feel like this kind of monolithic experience of, oh, I hate it, you know, and maybe that's the first way that we connect with it. There just is this big sense of it's awful. But then, too, if we look more closely at that, that we, we can see that there may be different strands. You know, maybe there are moments of uh, sadness. Maybe there are moments of anger. Maybe there are moments of fear, you know, all kind of dancing around together. Maybe there are moments of uh, despair, hopelessness, <laughs> anguish, you know, whatever it might be. If we can get interested in all of that and, you know, kind of step out of the story of I'm suffering so much and more into this more objective uh, viewpoint of, oh, there's just these impersonal experiences arising, changing, flowing on, you know, one giving rise to another, to another, um, then we can start to see more accurately, more clearly, what is the reality of what's actually happening. So that may not be the, <laughs> the answer that you want. And then there's, there's a little bit of a caveat, too, that, it, you know, again, in terms of skillful means, if it gets to the point where we feel like we're just really drowning in aversion, you know, like it's just really unremitting, it's just really bogging us down, we're just so exhausted and beaten down by the aversion that we can't really be present with it. Again, So again here the idea is not to run away, not to try to push away or suppress, but just bring in some skillful means to try to brighten the mind a little bit. You know, it's okay to experience pleasure too. <laughs> you know, it's okay to go outside and go for a walk in the woods, you know, or to have a nice cup of tea, uh, to do something mindfully that will help to, to bring in a little pleasant feeling just so we can get a little bit of relief as a skillful means. And then, you know, also to notice everything about that. You know, what happens when we go outside, we look at the sky, we see the trees. Uh, Can we feel that sense of pleasure coming in? What is that like? So even, you know, again, even as we apply these kinds of antidotes or balancing means to, to try to balance out the mind, to just keep that thread of awareness through all of it. You know, again, as we keep saying, it doesn't matter what we do, it doesn't matter what our experience is, but just simply that we're aware in the present moment of something that's really happening. So maybe one more, yeah, maybe in the back. When does enlightenment take the form of action? I think so, but that's that's a little bit of a big question for this morning, but I'm, I'll speak to that some tonight, and that's also a good one to bring up in the interview groups, and Annie will also be speaking to that some tomorrow night. So uh, I'd say hold that question for now. It's a really good one, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that more as we go along. Yeah. So just a couple of announcements for today. 
As far as the, the second interview, you know, we're really working hard to try to give everybody here two interviews in the course of these four days, uh, which is a bit of a challenge with a group this size. So the way that we've uh, been able to manage it is that yesterday, everybody should have had an interview group that they uh, were in. And then there'll be a second interview for everyone either today or tomorrow. So we're trying to make the second group a little bit more, a little bit smaller and more intimate. So we're breaking you up into to two days uh, for the second interview. So if you're not on the sheet today and also not on the sheet tomorrow, then let us know. But if you're not on the sheet today, then you should be on the sheet tomorrow, if that makes sense. And um, one slight change, if you looked at the sheets yesterday, I'm going to be continuing to have my interview groups in the welcome room here, uh, where you checked in, rather than upstairs as had initially been posted. So make sure you come to the right place. And we also just wanted to say um, that we really appreciate the effort that uh, everyone is making in, in keeping the container of the space in this hall. Um, you know, it really is this kind of uh, special energy that we build here um, by showing up on time um, and also by staying through the entire sitting unless there really is a pressing emergency. This just helps to, to keep the sense of um, seclusion, the sense of safety within the space here that you know we're all in here together and we can kind of count on, count on this being a stable uh, environment for the for the time of the sitting. And um, we just wanted to recognize that um, we do realize that the, the bathroom facilities are somewhat limited right now um, because of the construction that's going on over here with the renovation. There are actually four toilets that we normally have um, for breaks that are not available right now. And also, there's one on the, the upper floor that's broken right now. Um, so um, we would just remind you to uh, make use of the uh, toilets that are on the lower level underneath the meditation hall here, uh, if you haven't been aware of those. And also just to plan accordingly, that it might take a little more time, uh, allow a little more time than you might normally need to get to the bathroom before the sitting so that you don't have to uh, you know, get up and leave in the middle. And also just to, to let you know that um, as we've observed these last few days, we're having very typical kind of fall New England weather, you know, so it's kind of going back, back and forth between, you know, hot and then this morning's very chilly. And just to let you know that there is this very uh, kind of high-tech advanced climate control system here in the Dharma Hall. It's actually a really state-of-the-art system that's constantly uh, recirculating uh, fresh air in from the outside and controlling the temperature. So um, there's no need to, to open or close windows or anything like that, that really the, the system here does a great job of keeping the conditions in the, the hall here at an optimal level. So it's time now for uh, walking for some and for groups for others. And we wish you a very uh, mindful and enlightening day. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.